0: you hear us through your airpods or see us on your laptop how about meeting us in real life because we're taking queer money on the road this summer and fall visit queermoneypodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood this podcast is sponsored by mass mutual every way we look out for the ones we love is an act of mutuality mass mutual can help with the financial ones there's personal finance for the masses this is not personal finance for the masses. This is Queer Money.
1: Have you ever dreamt of just quitting your job and traveling the world, or even just the country? Whether we're doing what we went to college for in love, or decided our current life isn't fulfilling anymore, many of us have fantasized about leaving our daily routines for a life of adventure and excitement, a break from the reoccurring norm. But few of us actually do it. That's why I think you're going to love our interview today with Liz Snyder and Rachel Wood from stateofgo.com and stateofgo on Instagram. Liz and Rachel are a couple from Asheville, North Carolina, who decided it was time to leave the jobs that they actually loved to travel the country in a 2006 van that they purchased and then refurbished for their year long trek. Hear how they did this from inspiration to execution, what life is like living in a van for months with your partner and dog, and how you can do the same or similar. This is an inspiring story. You're going to love it. If you'd like this episode, please take a screenshot on your phone of this episode, share it on Instagram along with your favorite point or quote, and please tag at Queer Money Podcast and at State of Go. We would both appreciate the support.
0: Here we go. Well, welcome back to another episode of Queer Money. I know if you have followed us online or listened to this podcast, we've mentioned this word geoliberated before. It's the whole goal of what John and I do is to eventually be able to let loose and break free from being tethered to a particular location, and this week we have two guests who are in the process of experiencing that. So welcome Liz and Rachel to the show. Why don't you give us just a little tidbit about who you are and what's going on right now?
2: My name is Rachel. We currently live in a van. Um, We have (laughs) broken free from society and picked out a really pretty white Sprinter van to travel the United States in. (laughs)
3: We left our jobs and our lives in Asheville, North Carolina, and bought a 2006 Sprinter van and built it into a home. And the goal was to travel the United States and maybe even into Canada. And we're in the midst of that dream being realized right now. I
1: think this is so exciting. What People often email us or direct message us and they're like, how can I do what you're doing? Or I just want to quit my job and just run away and travel the world or whatever. And you guys said it, and then you actually did it. <laughs> yeah. <Right. laughs> a little <laughs> <bit> different. <laughs> That's so awesome. So where are you in your journey right now?
3: We are currently in Portland, Oregon, and we have been on the road for six months as of just a few days ago. Wow,
0: There's- congratulations. Congratulations.
3: Yeah, six months. That's like a huge hurdle. (laughs) Yeah,
0: most people dream of this idea of being able to take two weeks off in a row and go somewhere nice. (laughs) Six months is almost an impossibility to a lot of people.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting. A friend of ours who's part of the FinCon community, she is from Germany, but she's spending time in the United States and she just had an issue with, immigration officers and they told her like nobody takes 3 months off and just hangs out in somebody else's country. <laughs> she's yeah, like they do. <laughs> she's like I'm doing it and I know a lot of people who do it too. <laughs> yeah.
3: That's, that's a good it's way so to uh-huh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> When did you get the inspiration for this? Can you kind of take us back several months or a year or so, however, it started and how did you get this inspiration and how did you get the courage to then actually execute on it?
3: Well, Rachel and I both had this idea independently of each other. Before we even met, I think we had both dreamed of living a life on the road and just being able to experience different beautiful landscapes and to be able to recreate in lots of different places throughout the country instead of living such a stationary lifestyle yeah. where we were. For me, I really have always had the travel bug, but I threw hiked the Appalachian Trail in 2015 and felt the most freedom that I've ever felt in my life. And after that, things changed a little bit. I knew that I wouldn't be able to go back to a normal, quote unquote, normal life anymore. I wanted to move more and experience that freedom. So I started dreaming of ways that I could live that lifestyle.
2: Yeah. The thing that kind of the travel bug got me is I went and did an internship in Bend, Oregon, actually. So we've been visiting Bend. It's been really cool to be back 10 years later. It kind of just opened my eyes. I lived in Michigan. And Michigan's very beautiful, but I had never seen mountains, let alone like volcanic mountains. So that's the thing that kind of just like drove me into wanting to move somewhere else. And then I moved from Michigan to North Carolina into the Appalachian Mountains and fell in love with those mountains. So it's just been kind of like put into my body that I just want to move and travel and see as many places as I can while I'm on this planet. And I think when we got together, it was just like, oh, you're weird. You want to live in a van? Like we
1: we want to do it. Uh, it I'm weird too. (laughs) Exactly.
3: We literally
2: (laughs) talked about the night that we first started hanging out. We were like, oh, van life, traveling. And it just was like a huge part of our relationship and probably what helped bring us together in those initial
1: days. That's so awesome. So, you got this inspiration and now you're six months into it. Your inspiration came from previous experiences. Six months into this particular journey, how is that working out for you?
3: <laughs> That's a great question. Let's
0: yeah, let's yeah. hear all of the goods and bad, <laughs> right here, bad you know, and the pros and cons. It's one
1: thing to say, I, <laughs> I want to live with my partner in a van for <laughs> six see, months yeah. or a year. It's another thing to actually do it. <laughs> do it.
3: Yeah. <laughs> As with anything, there are good days and there are bad days, but even the bad days still feel good. Honestly, at the end of the day, I think we look around in the van and wherever we are, even if it's in some random Walmart parking lot in the middle of nowhere, and we're like, heck yeah, we built this van. We're doing this. We're here (laughs) together. We can work out things that we need to work out because we get to live this lifestyle. Yeah. And I think a lot of,
2: they're not even issues, but the arguments and things that happen was around building the van because you're working with your partner and you have two different views of how you want something in the van. Being in the van and being out in nature and driving around and seeing the country is like the easy part. Mm -hmm. Having to spend time like that is wonderful. It's when you're building things that you're like, well, I don't want to put all my clothes in a wicker basket. I want this (laughs) coat (laughs) crate or whatever it is. But those are the things that's the time when you're like, you're disagreeing on things, but you got to come together to make that small space perfect. So it can be kind of tedious.
3: That's true. And I think now that we have kind of established our routines and who does what, when, you know, we just have a lot of really great systems set up in the van now. It feels much easier, but it has taken six months to get there.
0: (laughs) I love the way you talked about your process and what you've gone through, because In some ways, it mirrors the entrepreneur life. You know, someone wants to create something. They want to have their own business. They want to be able to thrive on their own without relying on someone else. And it's kind of similar to what you did. You had to come up with this idea. You had to go through the work to actually create it. Once you've created it and you start to use it, you actually start to see the benefits. You reap the rewards of all of the hard work that you put into it. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs. Go through that kind of story arc, so to speak, when they are creating their own businesses. So, for those of you who are listening and you're in that entrepreneurial life or you're in the middle of building your van life, (laughs) there (laughs) are happy days at the end.
3: (laughs) Absolutely. It gets better. Yes. (laughs)
0: That's great. (laughs) You know, I think for a lot of people, especially I would say Gen Xers and older, This whole idea of going on the road was what grandma and grandpa did, right? It was, you work your life, you work 30 years, 40 years, maybe you retire, then you get a motor home and you travel around the country. Hmm. So (laughs) you obviously haven't taken 30 years to do this. What kind of process or how long did it take for you to say, we want to do this to the point where you actually got on the road and push the pedal and head it out for the first time.
3: I think you make a really good point. And a lot of the people that we do see are retired couples who are out in their yes. RVs on the road. They're still there. They are. Yep, it still happening. Um, good for them. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great life. And both Rachel and I watched our parents work those jobs and still work the jobs for 30, 35 years leading up to this idea of retirement. And I think that's a really great thing to work a long time and to get there, but I also know that those days aren't promised. And so I think we both feel that way that while we can be smart about our future, we want to live now in the present. So we independently felt that way and then came together and started discussing it. It took us about since the time that we started actually talking about buying and building a van, it took us 11 months to actually purchase the van. And yeah. from there, we spent four months, I believe, three or four months building it out, building the inside into a home. And then we hit the road, which so, is a very short time to do a build, right? Take your time and do your build. We mm-hmm. just had a different kind
2: of time timeframe.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, it was definitely a
2: little rush, but we were ready to go. Yeah. And I think <laughs> we went back and forth in those 11 months being like,
3: are we really doing this? Do you really
2: want to do this? Like, it was that constant going back and forth. And it just kind of happened organically, the way that we got the van and who we had been talking to. I think once you put your mind to something and that's your goal, the universe kind of follows along with you. And that helped kick us in the butt and get us going.
0: So John and I are over here raising our hands and cheering because we (laughs) love that whole, what you just said there, this, we put our minds to it. And when you put your minds to it the universe responds. And you know, for those of you who believe in God, it's the same thing. You have some confidence and you have some faith that something's going to happen. And once you actually start putting your mind to it and then the words come out of your mouth and then the actions are followed up, the universe
1: responds. <laughs> yeah,
3: it does. It's, it's a wonderful really thing. Does. Yes.
1: I think it's yeah. also great. It sounds like you consistently checked in with each other.
3: Yes, there.
2: <laughs> we, you have to do that. I mean, in any relationship, communication is key, and you have to make sure that your partner is on board. I mean, this is a huge thing. You're quitting your jobs. You're selling all of your things. We sold our cars. We sold clothes. We sold everything that we pretty much didn't need that wasn't going to go in the van. So you have to talk to your partner. I mean, it's stressful. It's very stressful to change your life and move into these very small spaces and leave your family and friends and it was terrifying.
3: Yeah, it really was. And so we really had to talk to each other a lot and say, you know, check in often, is this really what we want to do? Right? Is this the life that we want to live right now? Are we doing the right thing? And the answer was always yes, it came back to yes. Sometimes we had to talk to get there. But yeah. <laughs> right. but so we were always on that page together.
1: When you had those moments of fear, how did you overcome though and not say, you know, it's just safer continuing to go to work every day. It's safer staying close to our families. How did you maintain that courage to continue to execute? Was it the constant communication or did you have other additional practices?
3: Communication helps, but I think we both just truly believe that the safe way is not the way that we want to necessarily live. I think it's very important to find comfort in being uncomfortable Mm -hmm. And I think that we've both had our own experiences that have taught us that. And we know that once we get out of our comfort zones, that's the place where we can really begin to grow and evolve as people. So we were working these jobs that we'd both been at for many years and really enjoyed our jobs, loved them. But we were doing the same things every day and having the same routines every day. While it did feel safe and comfortable, neither of us felt like we were going anywhere or growing. We felt stagnant. So it really just takes digging deep and realizing that there is another life out there. If you want to live it, you just have to do it.
0: Absolutely. Amen to that one.
3: <laughs> I, <love> that.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think that there's a couple of memes or sayings that I can think of, you know, if you don't like where you're at, move because you're not a tree. <laughs> and, you know, if you want your life to change, you've got to make some changes, right? So mm-hmm. that's exactly what you did. Now you mm-hmm. talked about your comfort zone.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You're living in a van.
3: <laughs> your
0: comfort zone just went to what? Maybe six by ten. <laughs> yeah, yep, about
3: that.
0: <laughs> so tell it's us.
3: Pretty tiny now. <laughs> right. Tell us.
0: I mean, we see these glamorized TV mm-hmm. shows about tiny houses that are 250 square feet, maybe three or 400 square feet max. You're talking about 100 square feet or less, right? (laughs)
3: Right. Yep. About 100.
0: (laughs) Comfort? (laughs) That's a question mark.
3: It's amazing, though. Physical comfort. We built this van to make it homey and super nice. So it's surprising. We're both really tall. We're almost six feet tall. So it was important to us. Yeah. (laughs) Amazon women. Yeah. (laughs) It was important to us to have a queen size bed because we didn't want to be like, scrunched up or hanging off the end of a mattress. So we, we designed the van around a queen size bed. And that's how we built the platform in the van. We also have a dog, a 70-pound lab, Whoa. and she needed a bed. <laughs> so we built a little bed for her, so she's
2: very comfortable. Yeah, she has memory foam. We both have memory foam mattresses. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice. I
3: think it's
2: so important when you're building the van to not look at all these pictures that are out there of these luxurious vans, and they have like running water and heat and all these things. Build it to what's going to be comfortable for you. We wanted to be able to stand. We wanted to make sure that we slept well. A lot of people turn the bed the other way, and they're kind of cramped up in that bed. Bed, but they have more room to move out inside the van but that wasn't how we wanted to have it so we really did tailor it to make ourselves more comfortable and happy along the road
3: mm-hmm. nice.
0: so did you get any advice or follow anyone online that has kind of been living this van life or doing this before that kind of inspired you or helped you figure out how you you were to map out this process or did you just do it all on your own
3: no, we definitely <laughs> used the internet. YouTube and Instagram have been very, very helpful. Mostly YouTube actually. Rachel and I had literally zero building experience. Like zero.
1: None.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and I know that like lesbians are supposed to be really good at building things and we are not that type. not at all. You like, don't meet
1: the stereotype. <laughs> no, we
2: don't hang
3: photos straight. We hammer... it's
2: just yeah.
3: It's yeah. Like, it we, wasn't good. We had a hammer. That was it. And for my birthday in October, got a couple drills. And that's yeah. how we did it. That's <laughs> how we built the van. So
1: <laughs> awesome. we
3: we watched a lot of YouTube videos. And it's great because a lot of people who are doing these van build outs are showcasing the entire process. Mm-hmm. So we would watch lots of different videos and take the things that we liked and put them into our vans. So mm-hmm. like, oh, they use two by threes instead of two by fours. Let's do that. They put their bed this way. They did this for a sink. So we did get a lot of inspiration and knowledge from YouTube, especially.
1: Yeah. I think this is great information. Clearly, we're on the same path from the beginning of your relationship that you eventually wanted to do this. And then you finally got to a point where you said, we're definitely going to do this. After you came to that agreement, what were the first few steps that you took to actually execute on it? Did you going to work the next day and quit with a loud parade and <laughs> the <would be> <laughs> video? Or you know, did you break the news to your family and start laying the groundwork because mom's a little upset you're quitting your career and moving it into a van? <laughs> like what were your next you know few steps after you said, okay, we've committed to this?
2: So we didn't leave our jobs. We stayed full-time employed with both of our jobs until probably a couple of days before we actually left. Like the side hustle was finding the van. So whether I came home for lunch to let the dog out, I would be on the computer looking at Craigslist ads or car listings, calling people. So I always had like a little notepad on the side. And then if I was working in the office at work, I could just like keep constantly working on the van stuff on the side while I was doing my current employment.
3: Yeah, a lot of time was spent researching before we even Mm. purchased the van. So what kind of van do we want? What sort of build do we want to do? Like Rachel said, we both worked until we left. I actually left my career job about four months before we left, but I picked up another job just to make some money before we got going on the road. As far as telling our parents, (laughs) I think my parents have grown to expect that I'm going to do weird stuff, you know, like going and hiking for five months on a long trail After that, they were kind of like, okay, yeah, she says she's going to do stuff. She's probably going to do it. (laughs) And i had been saying for a while, like, I really want to live in a van and travel. And so I'm sure they were, I don't know what the word is. I think that our parents are like,
2: oh, great. Here they go again. Like Ella's yeah. is doing something weird, Rachel's doing something weird. They just kind of don't say anything and are just like, Well, just be safe. Mm-hmm. Like that's pretty much their response you give
3: nice, right. It is, and they're so supportive and what a cool thing. For yes, parents very to be supportive so parents. We're very of, very lucky uh, doing yeah. this.
1: That's awesome. So let me ask the question this way. Which was easier, telling your parents you were quitting your job and moving into a van or coming out of the closet? <laughs> <laughs> And then when you finally decided it was time to quit your respective jobs, I mean, these were career jobs. You probably went to college for them and you put a lot of time and effort and money into them. What was that experience like? Because that to me is like, yeah, we might've agreed to this over the dinner table and yeah, I might've told my parents already but actually going into work and saying, hey, here's my two-week notice or whatever you decide to give them, that's like a whole level of seriousness.
3: It was very difficult for me. I had been working in a nonprofit in a summer camp setting for nearly eight years. And during the year, I worked in an office and helped recruit campers. And then during the summer, I actually lived at camp and interacted with our staff and our campers every single day. That was my life for the summers for many, many years. So I have watched so many children grow up and then worked with them as staff members. And I just, I loved it. I love that community. And I love outdoor education, getting kids outside into the mountains. That's where people grow. So it was really hard for me to leave that community and to tell them I was leaving that community. But I had gotten to a place where I was really unhappy not necessarily with the job, just with how stagnant I felt in my life. And I just was honest with them about that. And it was kind of a long drawn out process of me leaving. It took about, gosh, six months, I would say before I actually left, left, but it was difficult. And I was stressed. And I think that added a lot to like how hard it was for us to really make it all happen. A lot of it was my stress from leaving this job. (laughs) I'm the same. I really like my job. I worked
2: for a nonprofit as well. And I was the executive chef of the program, helped the program grow. We taught kids that were at risk. I hate saying that word, at risk, culinary arts and skill building. And it was an awesome job. I mean, I got to work with kids every single day. I had a great time. But when it came to quitting, I worked with great peers that were in the mental health industry, and I think that they understood, hey, Rachel's telling us that she's done this job, she's ready to go, she's ready to pass the baton on to someone else. And I had a ton of support, so much support that when I got back in town, I could give them a call and we could maybe talk about future employment if that's how I wanted to go about that. So I think it was us being honest with our employers and saying that, hey, this is a hard thing for us but this is where we're at and this is what we need to do. And how can you support me in that? Nice. Mm -hmm. Thanks
0: for sharing that. Here's a quick word from our sponsor. If like us, you're getting to a time in your life when you're starting to think about the financial ways of protecting your loved ones, MassMutual is there to help. Now let's get back to the show. I think that's very important because that's probably one of the biggest fears that most people have, right? When they go out on the road, they're giving up full-time employment. They're potentially giving up benefits that's the kind of paradigm we're raised in, especially here in America, that you're going to go to college, you're going to graduate, you're going to get a job, and you're going to do that for the next 30 years. Whether Mm -hmm. you move on to different types of jobs or different types of careers, that's what you're supposed to do. And so when somebody says, hey, you can do something different, there's all sorts of questions that come up. And then if you start delving into it, then it starts to get to your emotions and you bring in this fear of, oh, I, I don't know if I could do that. And so sharing That portion of it, I think, is very insightful because we know that anyone of you who are thinking about doing this, you're going to have to go through that same process. John and I did the same thing when first when he quit his job, and then earlier this year when I quit my job, we let go of that paradigm of having to have an employer and, and rely on someone else for our income and resources. Going a little bit deeper into resources, though, how did you prepare financially for this? Did you have a savings plan? Were you putting aside money or while you were doing the build out or how did that all look?
3: So since I worked at a summer camp and lived there during the summers, I, for the past seven years, have been able to save about 40 percent of my annual income because housing was provided, food was provided. So for three months during the year it wasn't really paying for much other than bills. So I have been saving for a long time, knowing that at some point I would go on some sort of adventure. <laughs> so I definitely continued saving and did not touch any retirement accounts. I did pull a little bit of money out of an investment account to help with the build, but there's still money in there. Basically we want to have money left over when we decide we don't want to do this anymore. So we wanted to have a few avenues for that.
2: Yeah, it's important to save and it doesn't have to be a lot.
3: Each of us put
2: money away. And if we wouldn't have done that, there's no way this trip would have happened. And yes, it would have been great to have like $30,000 to throw at this trip. And that is not what we had. Absolutely. <laughs> it would have been sweet. But it is important to not touch your retirement. Neither of us wanted to do that. That needs to stay there. That's money that we don't even think about that can just float away. And eventually down the road, we can come back to that. But we did have to take out a loan for the van. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was something that we had to do. We wanted to make sure we had money for the build, set aside money for the van. And that was what we did. We took a loan out for the van.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So just to give everyone a little bit of a insight on the financial aspect of it. How much do you think that you're spending or had to set aside to last this six months or maybe the next six months? Should they be thinking about, oh, I can do this on $5,000 for six months? Or should they be thinking, OK, this is probably going to be more like fifteen or twenty?
3: I think once the van was purchased and built, and none of that was super duper expensive. Mm-hmm. Our build was relatively inexpensive, actually, yeah. compared to some other van builds. Once you get going on the road, the expenses are not—it's nothing like living in an apartment in yes. a city or any of the costs that you're going to pay when you live in a house, exactly. Yeah. Much less because we don't pay any utilities; we don't pay water no, bills. We have solar power. Bills. We have solar power. We don't pay to camp anymore. We camp in free campsites now, or we park in a parking lot somewhere where it's allowed. So once you get on the road, I would say over six months we've probably in the five to ten thousand dollar range. Yeah, wow. together. And I would also say that we haven't been the most frugal. No, sometimes you're so dirty, you need a hotel room. (laughs) So there's those things that you should set
2: money aside for. We had money set aside for mechanical errors with the van because we did buy a 2006 van. We knew that somewhere down the road, there would be something that happened. And yeah, there was. We had to pay $1,200 to get a new EGR valve. So luckily, we had that money set aside. It's important. I think too, when you buy the van or whatever you want, however much you want to put down on the van, it helps you kind of figure out what your building costs are going to be once you get the van. So Mm -hmm. it's like each step ticks away and then you're better at making a budget.
3: I think that's how I felt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And our building costs, I'm putting it all together in my head right now, were probably less than $3,000. Yeah. And that includes... We used plywood for the bed, but it looks nice. It really does. And we went to Habitat for Humanity Restore and got an old bathroom vanity that we repurposed as our kitchen. That was $45. That was $45. And it looks nice. We built everything. I think that really helps yeah. keep costs down. And then the most expensive things were definitely our solar setup. But that was no more in than our $600 in the fridge, which was about $500. Yeah. Other than that, though, it's pretty cheap to build this really beautiful home, <laughs> <laughs> nice. which is surprising. beautiful to us.
0: That's what I was just going to say. You know, John and I like to say live fabulously, not fabulously broke. Living fabulously is how you define it. It's not how the person driving the $60,000 Mercedes Benz down the street or living in the 5,000 square foot they define it, it's your own definition. And obviously, yeah. you know what fabulous feels like and looks like to you. And bravo for you determining that and going out and doing it. Thank
3: you. Yeah, thank you. We agree. <laughs> <Completely>. <laughs> yeah,
1: we'll pat ourselves on the back too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so
3: it's
1: one cool. of the first people we actually interviewed for Queer Money was our friend and colleague, Chad Nash. And At the time, he quit his job. And at the time, he had been traveling the world, I think at that point, up to six months. Now he's almost approaching four years, I think. And David actually shared the Forbes article that we wrote about him in an LGBT group. And it was quite surprising how cynical everybody was that Chad was doing this. And somebody made the comment that, well, it must be nice to not have bills. And (laughs) I know that Chad has bills. So my question is, To you, what reoccurring bills do you have, and how are you managing actually paying for those?
2: For me, in particular, I have student loans. I mean, I think everybody has student loans at this point. (laughs) And then a cell phone bill. We both have a cell phone bill. The loan for the van is something that we have to pay each month. And the way that we combat it is we get jobs. There's no way that we can do this life. And I know that some people can do this life without getting a job, but we get temp work all the time. We go on Craigslist or wherever online. I think we did a staffing agency when we were in Boulder, Colorado, but we find jobs that are temp maybe like two weeks, three weeks long, and then we work them. And that's how we pay our monthly bills because without those jobs, there's no way we could sit here and drive for six months.
3: So it's important for us to find work. Mm -hmm. It is definitely because we do have bills while we have savings and we knew that we would dip significantly into our savings to help cover some of these bills for some of the months. We also know that we needed some sort of income. So we have picked up these temporary jobs, like Rachel said, and they've turned out to be really fun. And it's like (laughs) strange and strange. Yeah. It's not only do we get to make a little money, we're also discovering new things that we are into and like doing. In Colorado, we worked at the university pulling dandelions. <laughs> that was actually our job title, dandelion picker. Because wow. They, yeah, because they want to get rid of these weeds, but they don't use pesticides or herbicides on the campus. So we did that for six weeks. Yeah, it was $12 an
2: hour to pick dandelions.
3: Wow, yep.
0: that's actually pretty yeah. good.
1: It was yeah. pretty we, awesome. <laughs> we got
2: free parking on campus, which was
3: really awesome for us. It was a nice, safe place to park. So that was a great job. It was. And then in Oregon we worked on an industrial hemp farm mm-hmm. planting hemp that will be used for C B D oil later on. And that job was short lived. We only lasted three days. <laughs> <But> <laughs> it is hard work. It's really hard. It's like involves doing squats every three feet for up like, and down a gigantic field. Yeah, like oh, two wow. football. Oh my gosh. It was so hard. And we
2: do some really hard hiking. We couldn't walk after that.
3: Yeah. <laughs> wow. Like
2: we're, planning into the grocery store, like could not walk.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And then we have been working recently as gardeners in a private home. And Mm -hmm. that's been awesome because neither of us really had any gardening background or skills, but we've learned a lot. And I think now we realize like, wow, this is something we could do. Yeah. Eventually let's have a garden. Let's grow food and flowers. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So it's fun to find these different ways to make money and also just have new experiences and meet new people yeah. along
1: the way.
0: One of the things I love about what you're saying here is, it's this whole idea of being comfortable with letting go of what we think we have to have. Yes. Right? We think we have to have a particular apartment, a particular car, or live in a particular neighborhood, or we have to have this kind of clothing or that brand name. All of these attachments of two things are oftentimes the reason why we have the bills that hold us back from being able to experience the life that we really want to have, right? And it's clear the way you have done is you've said, let's pare that back as much as we possibly can so that we can get some experiences that we enjoy more than things.
3: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think also we have felt people almost look down on us and say, what the heck are you doing? What are you thinking? You're farming, you're gardening, like this is what you're doing for a living right now. And yeah, we are. And it's cool. And I think that you just have to get past that too. It's not about what we think we need, or what others think we need. It's what we actually need. It's important to question society
2: and question why, why is everybody living this certain way? Do I need to live that way? Is that what's going to make me happiest? I think a lot of times people don't even ask themselves, am I happy? Is all these material items that I am working for, do they make me happy? Take all your stuff and throw it in a closet and lock the door or some things that you think are so important to you. And I guarantee in a couple of weeks, you will forget that you even have them. <laughs> right. So right. It's exactly. so important to question those things.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, I find it so funny. I had to laugh when you said that people look down on you for farming.
2: Mm -hmm. but
0: they post all over Instagram and Facebook that they're at the farmer's market or they go and buy the local produce at Whole Foods. Where the hell do they think this comes from? Right? (laughs) Right? It's coming from people who are working the farms like you. Exactly. I love how parallel your story is to Chad's story. Chad had been living quite the life. I mean, he had a very nice home very expensive cars, had all of those bills when he was living in San Diego. And he said that after he started traveling, of course, he sold all of this stuff. But after he started traveling, he realized that his travel around the world, nonstop, constant travel around the world. And he said that, you know, there were times when he was staying in some really nice hotels. And so there were some times when he was staying in some pretty crappy ones. But he said that traveling around the world was actually cheaper than living in San Diego with all of the things that he had before. So questioning whether or not you truly need that thing, that
1: stuff that stuff yeah. lots of stuff yeah. we all have stuff i mean
2: does your apple watch hug you at night before you go to bed and tell you i love you it doesn't <laughs> it's, i mean they're wonderful things that would but be a great
1: app though it would, right?
2: <laughs> maybe don't tell anybody but. but it's important to realize those things it's so easy to just go to work every day and close your eyes and do the same stuff every day that You have to question it. I mean, living on the road, we literally work our bodies every day to do everything, to pump water for our food and to wash dishes. We have to search for bathrooms because we don't have a bathroom in our van. We have to set up things and put things away. I mean, it's just like a way different lifestyle, but you're intentional and you're constantly present. And I think that sometimes in society and life, people forget to be present. And they watch TV and say, oh, I want an Apple Watch. And that's what I'm going to get. And they're very happy about it. I mean, I could go on for days about this.
1: Stuff. <laughs> well, speaking of Apple Watches and Apple phones and needing the bathroom, do you know that there's a couple of apps that help you find bathrooms?
2: <laughs> no. no. There are.
1: I have one on my phone. I forget what it is because that's an important thing in my life. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Sometimes you need a bath. So you might want to download that app to your phone. Yeah. <laughs> we'll that. good idea. That's what I do. So you obviously prepared for this journey of yours and you did some financial preparation. What would you say the best financial move was that you made to prepare for this? And then what would you say, in hindsight, you wish you would have done better?
3: I think that we could always have saved more money, won the lottery. Won the lottery. <laughs> <not really> <laughs> I do think we could have saved more Maybe we could have had a few less beers out in Asheville before <laughs> <Yeah>. we left. <laughs> but we were in a good place to go. So I don't feel like that's a regret at all. No, we don't regret any of the things that we've done, which is a very awesome feeling. Mm-hmm. We didn't touch any retirement accounts. Those aren't things that we want to mess with right now.
2: We still have an investment account that's growing, which
3: is important to us. We don't want to touch that as well. Mm-hmm. It's important to us to have something left over when we stop, if we stop. Yeah. <laughs> right.
1: Well, I think what um, you said is very important. A friend of mine told me one time, and I thought it was brilliant. He said, There's never a perfect time to buy a house. There's never a perfect time to buy a car. There's never a perfect time to get married or, or have a baby. At some point, you just got to say, I'm going to stop talking about this and I'm actually going to do it. I mean, you can always talk yourself into saying, okay, $20,000 is not enough. We need 30. Then you have the 30. And then you think it would be better if we had 60. So you could be working on that for the rest of your life and never actually yeah. following through on your dream. And to your point, you know, you could have saved more, but you realized you had enough to actually do it. So let's just make it work.
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's how this whole trip has been. Let's mm-hmm. just make it work. <laughs> yeah, that's our mantra. We'll yeah. make it work. Yeah, and, and you know what? It's working. And it's helping us learn and grow. By having to figure this stuff
1: out. Nice. Is Tim and Gunn what... following you around? <laughs> <I wish. laughs> you need a Tim Gunn bubblehead on your dashboard. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> Make it work.
0: You talked about this idea of working as you go. You said you're doing some contract work or taking these odd jobs. Is there anything else that you're doing to try to bring in money, like brand sponsorship or brand representation? I think you said you were in Denver recently for. Uh, Outdoor Expo?
3: Yes, that's right. So we were lucky to get involved with a company called Granite Gear, and they make ultralight backpacking gear for hikers and through hikers. And they have a team of people called the Groundskeepers, and each year they pick 20 different people who are out on different trails to work for them, and pick up trash along those trails. So yeah, this is unpaid. It's an unpaid, unpaid yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's an unpaid sponsorship, yes. So that's been really awesome because they give us lots of gear, but more than anything, what they've done is kind of help us get our name out there as well in social media. It's a little weird. We didn't go into this thinking like, oh, we're going to try to make money on Instagram yeah. or anything. Well, we're awful at it anyway. We are, yeah. <laughs> But we've learned that some of these little sponsorships here and there can be lucrative and they can help. So we're not making, you know, tons yeah, of money. It's definitely off of not funding
2: us yet.
3: No. It would be great if it did.
2: It's a slow process. People aren't just like out there. Yeah. We'll sponsor you. You need to have like tons of followers and it is. It's a slow process and we've learned that a lot of people that are doing really well on Instagram and doing the whole van life thing, they all say it takes about a year for things to turn around for you to get your name out there for people to start wanting you to come to events and things like that. So, right now it's just real slow.
3: It is. But it was cool to be invited to go to the Outdoor Retailer show in Denver a couple of weeks ago and to have face-to-face conversations and connections with lots of brands, the biggest outdoor brands in the world. And obviously, they're not going to sponsor us on our little band journey, but the smaller companies are, which is really cool. And we're getting to the point now where people are willing to pay us to take pictures for them. Yeah. So that's nice. That's exciting. Yeah. And not very much. Not very very much money. Yeah. I just want to make sure it's realistic. (laughs) I
2: mean, and you have to have a nice camera to take these pictures and you have to be like out there doing these things. I'm not really sure where these people are that are taking amazing photos. Mm -hmm. And I just saw someone posted that this couple was sitting and they had a projector on their van watching a movie. And then the carpet that they were laying on was lit with candles. I was like, where is this happening? This, <laughs> this is not happening where we are. This sounds like <laughs> a Pinterest
0: picture. <laughs>
2: exactly. Um, yeah. So that's not van life for us, at least. And what we've been told through these companies is that we want you out there doing stuff. So that means hiking mountains and getting to these places where not everybody sees these beautiful cascade lakes and things.
3: It's a lot of work. Yeah. It is a lot of work and it's a slow process yeah. and takes, you know, like Rachel said, it takes a year and we're halfway through that. But we're starting to see things happen, which is exciting. Yeah. But we are not going to be able to support ourselves anytime soon on that yeah. income.
0: It's nice to have a little bit of supplemental income, right? It can maybe buy you a few beers here and there or yes. an extra night at the hotel so you can take a longer shower or two, <laughs> exactly. two days in a row. But yeah, I think it's important. One of the things that you mentioned here is this whole idea that it's not an instant life. And I think a lot of people, they fantasize about this when you see these pictures on Instagram or you watch a video on YouTube or whatever platform it is that you're consuming these lifestyles and you think to yourself, oh, that looks so simple. Yeah, well, remember the people who do the backflips off of the diving board and the (laughs) twirl through the air as they're ice skating. It looks simple when they do it. It's not simple, right? (laughs) But no,
3: it's. It's hard work and it is very hard work. And we're not above working hard. We want to work really hard mm-hmm. to make this life work. And that's everything from like Rachel said, doing dishes with a pump sink in the van to working farming jobs to spending eight hours working on a blog mm-hmm. or an Instagram yeah. post.
0: But it's, it's what you love, right? I mean it's, it's Exactly. It, and it's what you love right now. It doesn't necessarily yeah. mean it's going to be permanent, but you're getting some awesome experiences.
3: Yes, yes totally. Exactly. It's worth it.
1: So this has been super and inspirational. I can see a ton of our listeners totally being inspired by this and trying to follow in your footsteps, which would be amazing. So that they can continue to follow you and keep track of your footsteps, where can they track you? What's your social media platform? What are your handles? Plug, plug, plug.
3: Definitely. (laughs) So on Instagram, which is where we post the most content, Mm -hmm. our handle is at stateofgo, and our blog is stateofgo.com, and there are hyphens between state of and
1: go. (laughs)
2: We don't have enough money to buy the rights yet to state of go.
3: (laughs) (laughs) We'll get there.
1: (laughs) Nice. And what does state of go mean?
3: State of go came out of the thought of being in a state of flow. It's generally kind of understood by endurance athletes that you can find the state of flow when you've been on a trail or running for a lot of miles for a long time. And you get into this place where you don't really feel it anymore. It's almost this dream world where you're just moving your body and kind of having this transcendental experience, euphoric experience, even though your body's working really hard and you're going a long way. So that's state of flow since we are always moving we're state of go.
1: (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Love that. I guess that would require you and me to run more than three or four miles to get into that van. <laughs> yes, exactly. I
0: do remember experiencing that one or two times when we did some longer distances, but Good thank feeling. you so much. You know, honestly, I will say that I've never been really attracted to the van life or life on the road as much as you have <laughs> John definitely would like us to try it. So I think maybe you've inched me a little bit closer and maybe some
1: of our (laughs) listeners too. So thank you so much for
3: joining us today. Thank you. Thank Thank you. So happy to chat with you guys. Absolutely. It's a blast.
1: Thank you, Liz and Rachel, for sharing your inspiring story and especially the details of how you actually executed on such a fun and exciting dream. No doubt our Queer Money listeners will be tempted to follow in your footsteps or your tracks. To you, our listeners, if you would like this episode, please take a screenshot on your phone of this episode, share it on Instagram along with your favorite point or quote, and tag at QueerMoneyPodcast and State of Go. We would both appreciate it. Until next week, thank you.
0: To learn more about our sponsor, MassMutual, or to find an advisor, visit MassMutual.com.
1: From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking queer money on the road.